Hey, hello listeners. This is just a quick disclaimer for this week's episode. As anyone that's listened to the show before knows, uh, there can be some adult language and anyone that's listening for the first time, please keep that in mind. Uh, We tend to be ourselves and not filter, so occasionally a bad word might come out. If you have any children in the room, please put on some headphones or have them put on some headphones. Thank you. You're listening to the IDP Guys with Sean, John, and Nathan, the Wizards of Fantasy Football. Your go-to source for the individual defensive player strategy. And now, three guys who could only make an NFL team on Madden. All right, welcome back to the IDP, guys. My name is Nathan. I'm here with Johnny. Buenos dias, muchachos. Today is Cinco de Mayo, where we celebrate the Mexican Army's victory over the French at the Battle of Puebla, May 5th, 1862. In honor of Cinco de Mayo, I have a French joke for you. Why do French tanks have six gears? Five for reverse and one for forward during parades. You didn't even let me guess. What's the point of a joke if I don't even get to give a stupid guess? <laughs> well, well everyone knows they're all in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for a second this wasn't going to be racist, but hey, there we go. Uh, welcome, Sean. And uh, this is episode 75. We are happy to have everyone here. Um, make sure you listen after the show. We are going to talk more Game of Thrones. And actually, we didn't cover with Sean if he's... Uh, heard Endgame, but there might be some Endgame spoilers, so uh, listen after the credits. Um, Also, become a $1 a month subscriber. We've got a subscriber chat uh, where you can enjoy uh, asking us and our writers questions during your your draft, your rookie draft, whatever. Um, Some leagues are forming out of this uh, subscriber channel, and there's, you know, general fuckery of uh, just shit talking and uh, and what have you. Uh, we've got uh, Tom K is in there. Uh, FF Stompy just joined. Uh, he's also our guest for this episode. So some great stuff. Also, you get like um, ADP uh, for uh, we've got combined ADP. We're getting April out soon. We have March out there. We have rankings, all sorts of stuff for one dollar. I mean, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. But with that, let's jump into the question of the day. How do you think your team did with their draft this year? Oh, my God. I think Nate almost puked. <laughs> I'm abstaining from this conversation. <laughs> you get, you didn't like the tight end at one? Oh, I actually loved the tight end at one. Uh, that's the one that I loved. Uh, I also loved Amari Hiramani Aruarie. Uh, great pick. It was the rest of the draft that I was not a fan of. Yeah, the linebacker at two there. Would you? Would you guys think of that? I was not a fan of him. Uh, if they think they can work him in a role, fine. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't like the value there. At I did all. hear that it was a steal from Belichick. Yeah, and I don't really care about any of that. The thing is, is like a lot of people are justifying the pick by saying like, yeah, other teams liked him. It's like, 
I don't know. I don't really care whether other teams liked him. It's whether I think he's good or not, and I don't think he's very good, but that's just me. I don't know. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I'm a Lions fan, and I want to be wrong on this. But, um, yeah, there weren't a whole lot of picks that I was a big fan of. Um, Will Harris, he was – I'll talk about him a little later. He was somebody that I thought we drafted at the appropriate spot. I thought he went at about – the right value, but I just don't think that safety was our biggest need on the board with a lot of other players that I really liked. If you guys had to put a grade on it, A, B, C, D, what do you think? Barf. Barf. Uh, this is like a, this is like a C minus. It's like slight, like draft. That sounds super negative because like C minus sounds terrible, but I don't know. I think draft grades are just super inflated where mm. everybody gets an A or a B and like the lowest you see is like a C plus. But I don't know if we're putting C at average. I think it was slightly below average. I liked some of their picks and I didn't like others. All I got to say is that I really hope everything comes together. And I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of giving um, Bob Quinn two years mm. to kind of get us somewhere. I don't know. He's had four. Yeah. We really, if we go six years with the same GM and no results, like that's not good. Uh, so John, that's you love to talk down about the lions. And mm-hmm. especially since I saw your tweet, <laughs> uh, about your rankings of teams and where you like them. And the lions oh, I, landed I didn't, in. I didn't say I hated any teams. If you, you read that. love to see them, them lose. lose. Yes. Yeah. This is your fault, Nate. Right. You brought this on yourself. Right. Cause it, it causes chaos and, and, and pandemonium <laughs> in lions Twitter. And I can understand that. I, and that's hilarious. Uh, I, the, the chaos and pandemonium in lions Twitter is a little entertaining, but John, how did you feel? about the draft. Oh, I was okay with it. We, we got Amari Cooper at one, <laughs> well, it, but okay. So that wasn't the draft. Though. Oh, I was happy with it. And the giants, obviously yeesh. What happened there? Yeah. I don't know. So we'll keep tabs on this for sure. This week's news. All righty. A uh, fair, fair amount of news uh, since we've been on a couple weeks back. First one, big one, Frank Clark to the Kansas City Chiefs. Five years, $105 million. That's pretty love big. It. Yeah, that's huge. Love it. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. All over the Frank Clark trend. Yep. Last episode, we were talking about with the Demarcus Lawrence deal, will the Seattle Seahawks pay Frank Clark? And they did not. They did not. They shipped him to KC. That's actually a pretty good landing spot with Chris Jones there. Uh, Dude, it's not even about that. It's that like the Chiefs offense is so explosive that other teams are going to have to throw the ball so much. He's going to have so many pass rushing opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm all aboard. I'm, I'm a fan. I was a fan before this. I'm a fan now. How do you think uh, Seattle's end of the deal? Do you think they made out well with that? No, especially after seeing their drafts. I think that they traded away Frank Clark. They got a first. Um, would they get a first to second and then switch thirds? The seconds next year. So I guess we'll, we'll see who they get in the second next year. But I mean, LJ Collier was not, is not Frank Clark. He's never going to be Frank Clark. In my opinion, I don't think he's 
nearly a first round player, but that's just obviously my own personal opinion. I don't know. I think the only benefit they got here was not having to pay Clark, but realistically, like you pay your edge rushers. That's like one of three positions that you have to pay. Absolutely. Alrighty. Next piece of news. I hope you made your, uh, Tyreek Hill sales. Uh, he was originally not to be charged, but then there was some leak leaked audio. So the investigation's been reopened and it looks like it's time to start shoveling some dirt on him. So, uh, if you had any shares, I hope you sold. Uh, mm-hmm. we talked about that last time. So anything else? Uh, I think that you might still have an opportunity to sell some places for like, I don't know, way less than you could have a couple weeks ago, but maybe the text message conversation kind of gives some people enough hope to gamble on them. Obviously, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not gambling on them. That's not happening. I'm just saying maybe, maybe somebody's a sucker and does. I don't know. Okay. Uh, next piece of news, Big Ben, two-year extension. This is, uh, he's changed his tune a little bit, huh? Um, threatened retirement the last two years. I mean, he can still retire whenever he wants. Yeah. But he like, gets- he could retire tomorrow. He just has to give back the signing bonus, theoretically. Right. I mean, like, the two-year extension for me basically means that, like, he thinks that it's possible he plays two more years. And I think that more than anything, it probably is saying, like, I'm capping it at two years, you know? Yeah. Okay. That works for me. Uh, Next piece of news, Marshawn Lynch retires. But then I heard that there's a chance he might come back because Crowell who we'll talk about in a minute, blew out his uh, Achilles. Um, what do we think? Is if, if you got him in Dynasty, is he worth hanging on to for a little little bit longer, or do you just move on? No, they brought back Muscle Hamster, so mm. Marshall probably out. Okie dokie. Next piece of news, Josh Gordon signs with the Patriots. He will most likely have a suspension to work through next year, but it looks like uh, once he gets through that, if he gets through that and he's still in the league, he will be a wide receiver for the Patriots again. Any interest from you guys? Yeah, I'm into it. I I would buy him depending on his price. I think you can get him super cheap right now because like, we finally thought we were getting the Josh Gordon shot you know, when he went to New England and then he is suspended again. And it was like, for a lot of people, that was the last straw. So his price just keeps going lower every time something happens. And at this point, like, man, you can get him for almost free. And like, look at the other guys. You Like if you're getting him for a third or a fourth or like, look at the guys you're drafting in that range. It's like, man, I'll take a shot on Josh Gordon ending up even like eight games of Josh Gordon on the Patriots. I'm into that. All righty. Yeah. He was pretty productive when he played last year. Um, all righty. Chris Harris has demanded a trade from the Broncos depending on landing spot. Any interest from you guys? Um, I, I was never really big into him for IDP corner. He's, he's too good. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I, he plays really well in the nickel though. And I think that like, if he went to the right team, he could do that where like, like that nickel corner is pretty useful in terms of run support and tackling and all that stuff. I think that he could probably 
increase his value if he went elsewhere. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite defensive back um, for IDP purposes, obviously. But like increasing value is always good. You know, if you can buy him for a fifth and sell him for a fourth, like you're you're making a profit. Not him specifically for a fifth, but like anyone, you yeah, know. Right, right. Yep. I got you. All right. Uh, listeners of last uh, episode would know that me and Sean uh, semi-bet an enema on um, Ty- Tyler no, Lockett's. We yeah, no, we, we did. didn't. Sure we did. Sure we did. On uh, Tyler Lockett's future here. Uh, it was an interesting 24 hours for that. So DK Metcalf, obviously, was drafted by the Seahawks. And I thought, oh, man, here we go. I'm going to have to put an enema on my butt on stream. It's not going to be great. But then... Doug Baldwin news came out. He might be retiring. Do we? Uh, we knew think? about Doug Baldwin before that. We knew. We knew long before that. That was that was what started the Tyler Lockett hype. Was that Doug Baldwin was forever not in the picture? But people just kind of I don't know. People talked themselves into that. His efficiency was so ridiculously high last year. It's not going to happen. Um, DK Metcalf to Seattle is great, though. I love that. Yeah. Uh, do you think that that draft was, it? you know, this is that this was in mind when they drafted him? Oh, absolutely. Like they they know exactly what's going on with Doug Baldwin. And regardless of like what happens this year, whether he retires or not, he's no longer long term viable, regardless of his short term viability. You can, know, like. Can I just jump in here and can we rewind to last offseason when I was a never Baldwin? Mm hmm. And, yep. and just, and you guys were, I mean, I remember John was like, oh, I'm grabbing Baldwin here and there. And you were all about Baldwin. And here I am still never Baldwin. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Cause you absolutely predicted that his career was going to be ruined by injuries. <laughs> well, <laughs> like I, your logic was very sound. My logic was that he never stayed on the field. That's not true at all. Like that was never part of the logic. You just didn't, you just didn't, I didn't like, like him, him because no, he no, no. Often you hated had the injuries. Seahawks. You hated the Seahawks. No, and that wasn't it. That's exactly what it was. Ooh. And then like, no, you're absolutely right. You sat down and you're like, all right, John, all right, Sean, listen, <laughs> listen, I understand that Doug Baldwin's a really good player, but he's going to be out of the league in a year because <laughs> he's going to get, he's going to get horribly hurt. And then they're going to draft DK Metcalf next year. And Absolutely. we're all like, wait, who, what? <laughs> I was yeah. on him. No, you were but on, for real. You were I don't know. I feel like I need to go back and pull some audio here. Yeah. Right. Do it. Find it next show. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. But yeah, it was an interesting 24 hours for that news. Um, alrighty. Isaiah Crowell torn Achilles. Uh, there was some mild interest from uh, fantasy Twitter before this. Um, so what? They, they grabbed Muscle Amster? I didn't see that. Yeah. And then uh, Jalen Richard's still there. Right. Obviously, they drafted, drafted uh, David Montgomery. Or not David Montgomery. Josh Jacobs. Uh, Josh right. Jacobs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be Jacob's job to lose, and we'll see what happens there. But um, I think a lot of people are expecting Jacobs to be just a bell cow running back, and I think those are far more rare than people are willing to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I, I Like, Jacobs was my number one running back this year. He was top 32 player. The issue is that I think – 
since he landed in a good spot and he was a pretty close to consensus top running back, he's going to be going 101 in rookie drafts or 102 and I'm not going to see him, you know, and like startups, I've seen him go round five, round four. It's like, uh, I'm not touching him there. No, that's pretty early. Okie dokie. Next piece of news. Eli Apple's option was declined. When I saw this originally, I was like, oh shit, he's, he's going to be a free agent, but it's after this year. So you can, you can play him this year. Yeah. It just kind of shows the right to move on from him. So, um, he'll be elsewhere next year. And I don't know his, uh, he's had a rough go of it during his rookie contract. It's been a kind of a roller coaster. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, wait, hold on. Eli Apple, isn't he the one that blew up in the locker room last year? Uh, the Giants locker room? I don't think so. Um, I don't know. Who was it that, that? Yeah. True. Okay. Oh, it might have been him and Landon Collins. Yeah. They had it, an issue. They yeah. had an issue. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, LJ Fort hype train has officially derailed. Zach Brown signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we should have seen that coming. If it wasn't happening in the draft, it was happening somewhere. So that's a great, um, great spot for him, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, I love that spot. I'm a little concerned. Like, if you can sell him for the value that he was at, you know, even close to two years ago, I'd sell him. I, hmm. I don't think he's going to be a three down linebacker there, um, and maybe that's just me, but like they're pretty good at moving pieces around on their defense and just kind of minimizing the weaknesses of their players. And I don't think Zach Brown's great in coverage. So I think that there's a good chance that they kind of like phase them out on passing downs. Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't a three down linebacker last year, basically. Um, yeah. So I could, plus injury concerns. I could see that. Um, but, but for like a, if you can get him as like an LB two, three, I'm, I'm down with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I think I've got to, I'd probably have him closer to LB three than LB two. Yeah. I mean, that'd be the ideal spot. Absolutely. Um, alrighty. Last piece of news. I just thought this was interesting. The bills are cracking down with their new tailgating policy, uh, mm. because of the people getting thrown on fire through tables and shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So I saw this on the show notes and I was gonna, I was, I was gonna look it up on Twitter. I was like, nah, I kind of want to just be surprised. So like break down what the rules are here. What's what, they're, what is still they're acceptable? Making, they're making people buy passes to tailgate. And part of this is you need to have a ticket for the game. Um, that you need to have a vehicle that you came in with. Um, they're just basically making sure that you are actually going to the game <laughs> before you're allowed to tailgate. And they're, ma- really they're making a bunch of money off it. That's what it I was really to. hoping they just outlawed tables. No, no, <laughs> no. This is like, a, you're allowed to tailgate, but you'll eat on the fucking ground. Like you're not, you're <laughs> no more, no more tables. No, no. From what I read is, uh, they're, they're going to use some of this cash to hire like extra security and shit. And they're going to try and crack down next year, but we'll see what happens, you know? So as long as you have a ticket, right. As long as you have a vehicle, yeah, you can jump off said vehicle into a flaming table. Uh, for the moment, it looks like. Sounds good. Yep. No, no rules against that. That's it. Gut check. All 
All right, so this is the part of the show where we pair two players, uh, three sets, uh, offense and then two defense, and we talk about them compared to each other. Send it out to Twitter and see what y'all think. Then we talk about it the next week. So let's talk about last episode's gut checks. Uh, Starting off on the offensive side, two sets of wide receivers. uh, Excuse me. One set of wide receivers, two players. uh, New England Patriots, Demarius Thomas versus the Colts, Devin Funches. This is a uh, free agency uh set of gut checks uh 91 votes 76 percent went devin funchest uh I think with a t <laughs> yeah i think that's who we talk uh who we took um even though they're both shit right mm-hmm. yeah i had the option of taking devin funchest in a startup and i decided not to so i got none of these guys demarius thomas is still out there yeah, get out of here with Demarius Thomas. Yeah. Uh, so a set of safeties, Baltimore's Earl Thomas and the Chiefs' Tyron Matthew Honey Badger with 157 votes, 67% went Honey Badger. Yeah, I think that's where we went. And finally, um, o- Oakland's wide receiver, uh, Antonio Brown versus his prodigy, Pittsburgh's Juju Smith Schuster with 206. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I didn't see this poll, but I'm going to bet 83% Schuster. 77% Schuster. Wow. Yeah. And I love that because like Antonio Brown's going at such a discount and I am into it. Dynasty, obviously it's, it's Juju and I don't really like, it's not even close. Redraft though. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's pretty close, and I'll take Antonio Brown at that discount. Yeah, I I love the fact that this is two hundred and six votes, and we really didn't push this on Twitter. Yeah. So, uh, Johnny, you want to take us through this week's gut checks? Sure. This is an all rookie version of gut check this week. Uh, two defensive pairs and one offensive pair. First one is a pair of defensive tackles. Uh, New York Jets, Quinn and Williams, uh, taken as the what was he like fourth pick? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sean should know. Yeah. He's <laughs> I do. I'm just I'm just not responding here because I'm enjoying that too much. We were in um We were at Avengers. Avengers. Yeah. During the draft. Versus Buffalo Bills defensive tackle Ed Oliver. Um I want Quinnen Williams. Um I don't really have a great reason why. Come on, Sean. Um, Tell us why. Uh, give me Ed Oliver. I'm just saying this to be contrarian. I like both of them about even. Basically, I'm taking whichever one is the last one to go. Mm, you know. Okay. I have a better question. Do we think that these two guys have the opportunity uh, to be like the next Buckner, the next Snacks, the next uh, Chris Jones? Now, even you know what I mean. Like, can these guys, yeah. can these guys no, be? Both- both of them have that potential. Okay. Whether or not they'll get there, I don't know. But. So whose offense is worse? Who's going to be on the field more this year? Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps. I would say the Jets have a... Oh, man. Actually, Buffalo's they both I think Buffalo's, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Jets yeah, I was going to say, I think the Jets have a better offense. Right, and then right. I stopped for a second and was like... It's tough. But, it's but tough, who? Man. But yeah. who? Yeah. 
That's It'll a good question. Be interesting. There. I think that one's going to be close. We shall see. Uh, Nate, which one did you want? Fuck if I know, man. Um, I'm story of your life. Gonna say I'm just gonna say Quentin Williams because he's Johnny just gonna said pick Indomic and Sue. And, <laughs> Snacks Harrison, man. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one. Uh, we talk about this a little bit later in the interview. Pair of uh, linebackers. Uh, first one, Devin Bush went to the Pittsburgh Steelers for the Shazier type scenario spot slot, whatever you want to call it, uh, versus Devin White, who went to Tampa Bay to replace uh, Quan Alexander uh, for this year. I'd like Devin White for the future. I think I'd also like Devin White. What do you guys think? So you just like Devin White? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. So for this year, I like Devin Bush for the future. I like Devin Bush. For the past, I like Devin Bush. It's can I can I find any other ways to work Devin Bush into this? <laughs> you just like Bush. Uh, I I do like uh, Devin White a good amount too, obviously. Yeah. Um, and this is something where like you know if Devin White ends up better than Devin Bush, I'm going to be torn apart, and that's totally fine. But like they're both very clearly the top two linebackers, and you're happy with either of them. Mm-hmm. But if they're both on the board and I have to pick one, I'm going Devin Bush. I hate both of you because I have to choose now and I don't have someone to go off of. Um, fuck. 50 50 shot. Devin Bush. I like Bush too. Okay. Uh, last one is the first two tight ends to come off the board. Uh, TJ Hawkinson went to the Lions versus yeah, yeah. Noah Fant went to Denver. And I would like probably Hawkinson, to be honest with you. Give me Hawk every time. Fant isn't as good as like, okay. Fant's a great prospect. He's not an elite prospect. TJ Hawkinson is an elite prospect. Mm. Fant, like everyone complains about the drops with Ebron and stuff. Fant dropped an absurd amount of passes. He doesn't run fantastic routes. He's a better blocker than he gets credit for, but like he's way more raw than anybody wants to admit. And he just has great athleticism, so everyone just kind of glazes over that. Hawk is a legit prospect. Word. Um, I'm going to go with Hawk on this one because I've been hearing a lot about him over the offseason, and I'm also a Lions fan. And, you know, maybe they'll use the tight end this year. I'm also going to probably draft him in my rookie draft, so there's... There's that. Okay, that's it. So we are continuing our listener questions segment. Um, This week we have two listener questions from our voicemail which we're so fucking happy that people actually took uh, the time to call us if you wish to call us and leave a voicemail it's 313-986-1473 we will listen to it we're going to play our two listener questions here in a second but uh, basically this segment's all about answering questions so the first one here is from a listener out of georgia and here we go idp guys ty from georgia first time listener found the podcast glad i did 
Dynasty League startup, we're talking about having IDP players. We've never done it. Nobody's ever done it. Um, we're leaning towards kind of a happy mix between tackle heavy and sack heavy scoring. What would you guys suggest? Any insight would be helpful. Thank you. You guys mind if I lead off on this? Go for it. Okay, so the way I've been doing it for years now is two points of tackle, one point in assist, five points for a sack, five points for a pick. Some people are like, that's a point too much, but I don't care. It allows you a bigger player pool, right? Um, that This way, corners um, can be entered into this conversation if you're doing it as like a flex thing, like a defensive back instead of like a safety corner thing. Um, it, it, it just allows you to have more players. So if you've got a bigger league, more guys are usable. Uh, you can add more positions, that type of thing. Everyone's got their own way of doing it. Uh, I, I just like to go with that. What do you guys think? I like it. Yeah, I like it. Um, so I just did a couple of startups with a little bit different scoring. Um, and it's a little more sack heavy. So basically, it's uh, I'm going to go through all of them right here. Six points for a touchdown, four points for a sack, uh, one point for a QB hit. Two points for tackle for loss, um, four for a block kick, four for interception, four for fumble recovery, two for force fumble, uh, four for safety, half point for assist tackle, one point solo, two points pass deflection. So it's very light on tackles, but what it does is it kind of it makes the best players rise to the top, you know, where like it makes it so that your three, four outside linebackers are viable linebackers um, where like guys like Von Miller or uh, Khalil Mack, like they're up there in your top 24 linebackers, top 12 linebackers. And like, I think that the way that it played out when I ran it through a spreadsheet and stuff looked really nice. Cause like your top cornerbacks end up like, among the defensive backs that are viable because you have guys like Marshawn Lattimore and Jalen Ramsey that are actually out there deflecting passes and stuff. And that plays into it as opposed to just basically looking for the guys that get the most tackles, you know? Right. Yep. I agree completely. Absolutely. Uh, so the next question we have here is from friend of the show Andrew from Oregon, his blood alcohol content is obviously similar to uh, Sean and mine right now at a point two, but here we go. Up, guys, it's your favorite caller again uh, over here in Oregon. Uh, this is Andrew. Uh, all right, so we had our draft. Football is back officially. I uh, oh, uh, tastes like Buddy Mary. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, want uh, your guys' opinion on what you think uh, what you think of San Francisco's defense now. Um, I know there's still a lot to lot to go through and all that, but uh, yeah, let's get your uh, let's get your opinions on that that one. Oh shit, really quick. Uh, thanks, guys. Love you. Call you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Love you too. <laughs> that was incredible. What was the question? San Francisco's <laughs> defense. Um, dude, they definitely added some people. D Ford, Nick Bosa. Um, phew. I don't know about their secondary. What do you think of that, Sean? I, linebackers, defensive line, they should be A-OK. What do you think besides yeah, that? I, I honestly, like, a good defensive line covers up a bad secondary pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that their secondary is bad. Uh, it's just not 
it's not elite. Um, I'm pretty optimistic overall for the San Francisco 49ers all around. I thought their draft was pretty fantastic um, outside of the punter in the fourth round, mm. which was just yeah. crazy. But I love Debo. I love Jalen Hurd. If you're looking at their defense, um, Sherman, it, he's well past his prime, uh, but he's still fine. You know, um, Jaquisti Tart, he's fine. When he's on the field. Yeah, I still really like Akella Witherspoon. Um, he hasn't really had his breakout, breakout year, but I still really like him. Um, I think they added Jason Verrett this year too. But yeah, I mean, they have some talent there. And in the secondary, obviously their front seven is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the pressure they're going to put on the quarterback is going to cover up some of the limitations they have in the secondary. Absolutely. I'd, I'd say top half of the league for sure. Oh, definitely. Yep. For sure. Uh, so let's get to uh, our last question here. It's from a subscriber. So make sure you're uh, joining. Go to idpguys.org. Uh, $1 a month. You can get into our uh, Slack channel where you can ask questions to us, um, not just to get on the show, but if you're in a um, a draft or whatever, you can ask the writers. But this one's from Tony DeHoyos. Who are your rookies that you are targeting now that the draft is over? Oh man. Okay. Are we, do we want, do we want offense? Do we want defense? Do go we want everything? All right. We'll just go defense first. So, um, I absolutely love Brian Burns. He's one that I'm going to be tired. I'm just going to go by position. So, uh, Brian Burns, absolutely love him. Fantastic. Ed Oliver, he's probably going to go after Quentin Williams. Love that. Uh, Chase Winovich, fantastic. Um, I really like him over on the Patriots. Uh, if you go a little deeper, man, I'm not a Rashawn Gary fan, but he's fallen pretty far. Um, he shouldn't at all. Uh, but, I don't know. Like, he's fine. I think he landed in a great spot, though. Um, If you go way deeper, though, you're looking at guys like Anthony Nelson, Max Crosby. I kind of like both of them. Um, Then if we move on over to linebacker, Jermaine Pratt landed in a great, great situation. Same thing with uh, Bobby Okereek. Cashman, I loved as a player. He's kind of somebody you're going to buy maybe a year out, like, you're better off not drafting him this year and then trading for him next year because he's going to be sitting behind uh, Mosley and Williamson um, and somebody will probably sell low to you next year. Um, I love Ben Burkirvan. I love uh, him over in Seattle. I think he's super talented, productive, and athletic. Um, other linebackers, I'm looking at a list here. Uh Coney, Devion Coney landed in Oakland. There's a lot of linebackers over there in Oakland right now, but I don't know that any of them are all that good. And it's a productive role. So I kind of like that. He wound up undrafted, but I think he's talented enough to kind of overtake that. Um, 
to buy for Detroit. Nobody really likes him. I don't really like him that much. <laughs> I like the production that he could put up there, though. And then I think there's one more that, oh, two more actually. Uh, Ulysses Gilbert is great landing spot in Pittsburgh. They're pretty talent deprived over there outside of Devin Bush. And uh, that might be all of them. I thought I had one more. I might be wrong. Uh, defensive back, I love Darnell Savage. Um, love Taylor Rapp. Jonathan Abram is great landing spot. He's fine. Uh, Juan Thornhill, great landing spot. I like him better. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, really no draft capital, but I liked him a ton as a prospect, so I'd gamble on him. Uh, Marquise Blair landed a really nice spot in Seattle as well. Uh, less, oh, less one. Will Harris went to Detroit. They are going to use a lot of three safety sets. So he's somebody that may go undrafted and I don't know. I'm fine with him as a late round flyer. Well, there you go. Always love it when Sean shoots his load all at once. Yep. God damn it, Sean. We're here with Sam Lane, and we haven't talked to him since uh, he won Scott Fishbowl, but here he is at FF Stompy himself. How's it going, Sam? Hi, friends. Glad to be back. I also won four championships last season. So, Are you basically I, a fantasy god? I am basically a fantasy god. <laughs> so if you didn't, if you can't tell, we're going we're gonna to go behind the scenes here. Nate kind of not smart and forgot to plug stuff in. So this is take two and Sean knew what I was going to say. <laughs> it, it it is. Uh, it's Cinco de Mayo. I probably said this already on the show, but I'm Cinco de Drunko. I've had a couple. <laughs> it's one of those shows. So welcome. And um, Sam, so give us an update. What? So you won four leagues plus uh, Scott Fishbowl. What have you been doing since well Hold on. Uh, more, more important question you won four leagues were you in how many were you in um 40? 10 ish i'm betting on 40 uh, no, just- it, was <laughs> it might be 40 now because i've added too many this off season that's so that's one of the things i've been up to is adding way too many leagues uh and then um fortunately or unfortunately i'm still trying to debate whether it was good or bad that I left IDP guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I moved over to FF statistics as a part-time writer and full-time content manager over with Matt Williams and Addison Hayes there. Um, so yeah, I've been helping try to build that website. Nice. So what, what else? Oh, I started a podcast before I believe mm-hmm. before I left, uh, joined, the Superflex Super Show as well, so I'm doing that twice a week, and then I started a baseball podcast, fantasy baseball podcast. So, boo. no boo you! How dare you? <laughs> That's America's baseball. pastime. Fantasy baseball is great. Yeah, I don't even. To be honest, like here's the thing: I'm not, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I am a big fantasy baseball fan. Really? You know? It's, yeah. Sean, I felt I I thought higher of you. I, I'm just saying, like, don't knock it till you've tried it. I walked I in, not, I want, then you're doing it, you're in a bad league then, <laughs> because I walked into fantasy baseball not knowing anything about baseball. 
and still had a great time. And that was like five years ago and I still love it. It's yeah. just like, it's so much strategy, so much number crunching. It's all the stuff that's right up my alley. I love it. That's interesting. I've done uh, f- fantasy football, obviously, fantasy hockey, fantasy basketball, and fantasy baseball. And I don't know. I, I stuck with fantasy football. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's guess boring. You, yeah, there's whatever. so many games, so many games. Ooh. That's the yeah. point, though. You get to you get to move around your lineup. You get to maximize it based on the games they're playing. I don't know. I love playing in like daily lineup set leagues where like you can change your lineup daily, and you're fighting for categories and the strategy of just being like. Yeah, man, I'm totally screwed on ERA this week. So I'm just going to pick up pitchers daily and just spam them with strikeouts. You know, like I love that stuff. Well, and and like Sean said, there's so much involved with fantasy baseball in terms of like advanced metrics and stuff that are very indicative of a player or regression or progression or whatever you are looking at. So and, and I don't know how much we've had. I mean, first and foremost, fantasy football is, like you said, short season. And it's hard to pick up trends, I suppose. Whereas in a 162 game season, you can very much pick up trends. So mm. like Sean said, it's a metric metrics based game. And I love it. The amount of time I've spent analyzing batting average on ball and play is just stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what else is new, Sam? Um, what kind of leagues did you join? Bunch of dynasty leagues or, or what? Yeah, I don't, I only have two redraft leagues anymore. Uh, and they're both home leagues. I just dynasty. Once you play dynasty, there's just nothing better. Uh, joined a few super flex leagues, uh, just a few PPR based leagues. Um, but yeah, just as many dynasty leagues as possible at this point. Oh, but I'm also in, in one where, uh, from John Bosch. And I don't know if any of you guys have played in a John Bosch league guys, a fantasy football genius, hmm. but he, uh, where it's a 56 team league for copy. Wow. And basically yeah. it's blind, blind bid auction. So I just saw this one on Twitter. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, so basically like a group of people nominates a player and then you basically go to the ad drop on the my fantasy league, put a bid in for that. And then once the uh, waivers run, you see what you bid and if you won. And so it's kind of crazy. It's kind of cool to see what the top bid for a player is, what the bottom bid player for a, for a player is. And if how close you were to getting a player and stuff wow. like there's no games involved. It's basically like what, what money do I have to bid to try and get this guy? And I don't want to overpay here. Mm. That's crazy. Cause John and I are in a league where it's an open bid process. So like you got four hours on a bid and someone can up, up your bid and win the player and to do it blind seems kind of maniacal. Awesome. Oh, it's no, fun. It. it is so fun. Mm. I love it because you don't have the people that are like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to just kind of bid this up. And you don't have the people that are sitting there like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to sit and wait on this until, you know, the bidding winds down to the end. And then I'm going to throw a bid in like you get actually where people value, where everyone's got to find their values before the draft and throw them out there. You know, yeah, there's there's no games involved. Like in, in normal auctions, you get like table talk, you get um, people redlining you all the time. Mm -hmm. And this, it's basically like, uh, 
you're 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 gonna just be out there all pink and naked at the end of the day. So mm. got my I, have a whole, I like that. I, <laughs> I have a home league where I play with a couple of buddies. Uh two of them specifically I played with for like fifteen years. And basically whenever we do an auction, no matter who it is that I nominate, they bid me up. Or yep. anytime like I'm about to win a player, they bump it up one dollar with like five mm. seconds left. It's like mm. Oh my God. I want to kill you assholes. <laughs> yeah. I feel you there. That's for sure. So speaking of dynasty, speaking of all of these things, um, Sam, we really want to know the, the, the rookie draft just happened. Who are your top IDP rookies? Who are you looking for this year? Who are you trying to, to get on your leagues? So I just wrote an article about this. Um, for FF statistics, I'm the only IDP writer over there, by the way. Uh, um, but yeah, so I mean, it, and, I, and I'm sure the listeners have heard me say this, but I think defensive end is the most valuable in terms of a top in a, a top end player versus like the rest. You know what I mean? Like we know Joey Bosa. We know. Uh, well, now we can't say Chandler Jones because he's a three four linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we know Daniil Hunter, like we know those top end talents, but after that, it becomes the, like the second tier, like the cliff at defensive end is terrible. And so that's why I think Nick Bosa is probably my number one out of this class uh, because his skill set matches with his brother pretty well, Joey, obviously. Uh, and while he may not blow up like Joey did his first season, I think that his future is bright, like double digit sacks every season, bright 40 plus tackles every season, bright. Um, so because, because the, because the position is so shallow that I, I want to get those top end talents. And I I'm predicting that Nick is going to be a top end talent within the next couple of years. I agree 100%. And like, the thing is, is like edge is obviously usually more of a risk than linebacker just Mm -hmm. because like linebackers are so predictable and they're so situation based and all that stuff. But at the same time, like I don't care where they were drafted. Like Nick Bosa is on another level from Devin Bush and Devin white, like Devin Bush and Devin white are good prospects. Like they're definitely good prospects, but in last year's class, I don't know that they would have gone first round. Like I didn't have a first round grade on either of them. Nope. Um, and that's not to say that they're not good. It's just that like, I think Van Der Esch would have gone before him. I think uh, Tremaine Edmonds would have gone before him. Roquan, Roquan certainly yep. would have. So I don't know. Like, and then it brings up the question, would Darius Leonard have gone before them? Yeah, I mean they they're ultra athletic. So I'll, actually, I'll talk about them here in a second. Let me let me just finish this thought on uh, Nick Bosa. So just looking at some statistics last season, only four, I believe, defensive linemen were in the top thirty scores in tackle. Like, like, and and we all know, and we could have this rant go on or the soapbox go on for days with all of us that um, there's no such thing as standard scoring and we need mm-hmm. to change the way IDP is scored, but tackle heavy. So I, I basically looked at two, ta- two points for uh, a tackle, one point for an assist. I think it was four for a sack. Um, so it's like a four to one ratio, give or take for sack to tackle, maybe three to one. But 
only four players in a tackle, like a, a relatively standard IDP scoring, only four defensive linemen were in the top 30. And one of them was Khalil Mack, who had hybrid status last season. So he technically wasn't even a um, defensive end. So uh, that gives you an idea of how shallow that position is. So you had, you had JJ Watt, you had Daniil Hunter, and you had Aaron Donald. And those were the top three defensive linemen. And everybody else was linebacker or safety. So that gives you an idea of how shallow defensive line is. And then the other two things. So the 49ers picked up D Ford or traded for D Ford. Sorry. And they still have DeForest Buckner, which is probably the top defensive tackle in the league. So DeForest Buckner produced 12 sacks last season and they struggled to get to the quarterback. So he produced 12 sacks, had nobody else to take away, uh, attention. Now he has Nick Bosa. Now he has D Ford. There's going to be a lot of one-on-one blocking against the San Francisco 49ers defensive line. And I expect that means that they're going to jump in number of sacks. And I think Nick Bosa has a legitimate chance to get double digit sacks in his uh, rookie season. Absolutely. Yeah. I think regardless of whether he gets double digit sacks, like he's someone you invest in. Oh yeah. You know, Absolutely. Um, you're looking at basically like, okay, so if you look at startups this year, Davenport and Bradley Chubb, who like had good seasons, but they weren't like double digit sack studs, you know, um, they're going pretty high and their trade value is pretty high. And so like if you draft Nick Bosa and you don't believe in him after year one, you still can get something back for him. And like the fact that, Davenport and Chubb are going so high in startups should tell you exactly how people value edges in real life versus in rookie drafts. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Like I think people want to go for those stud linebackers in rookie drafts, but then you look at the startups and it's like, yeah, you don't really see the same kind of uh, infatuation with those rookie linebackers because once you put all the other linebackers on the board, you suddenly realize like, Oh, there's a lot of other options here. Right, right. And and honestly, the 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 landing spot I spot was perfect here because you have guys like I mean, um Cleel and Farrell landed in a good spot. I he I think he went earlier than he should have, but he's still going to be a high floor guy. He does definitely doesn't have the ceiling of a Josh Allen. Josh Allen landed a terrible stop, spot for IDP because he's gonna be an outside linebacker. Uh Brian Burns. Where, where did Brian Burns go? Uh, Brian Burns went to the Panthers. There you go. So Brian Burns, I believe, is in a good spot, too, because he will be a defensive end. But uh, there's just not a lot of those edge rushers that we liked in this class. Great for NFL football, because I think like somebody like Josh Allen is going to be good, but not good for IDP. Yeah, Allen landed in a nightmare spot, and it's really too bad because – if he would have fallen one more pick to Detroit, he would have been in a great spot. Right. Mm. So, uh, and and that's why, I mean, Nick is at the top of this board because he is going to be a defensive end. He's not going to be that outside linebacker. That's why like Bradley Chubb is not a good uh, IDP guy because, well, I mean, he he's okay, but he's not going to be that top end talent. Like if he was a defensive end last season would have been great, but mm. unfortunately he's an outside linebacker. Yeah. Sam, real quick, before we get into the Devons, uh, another position that drops off a cliff, defensive tackle. And yes. you know who I'm going to ask you about, so let's talk about him. So he's actually my number two. So this is Quinnen Williams. 
I believe. Is mm-hmm. that what you're, who you're, okay. So <laughs> Quinn, uh, he's actually number two for me on my top five IDP guys because of how dominant he was in college, especially in the sophomore season, obviously there, there aren't a lot of those interior uh, defensive linemen that are good at rushing the passer. Obviously I already mentioned DeForest Buckner. He had 12 sacks and 60 tackles last season. I believe there's just not a lot of those people snacks. Harrison, not a pass rusher, but fantastic at stopping the run. Mm -hmm. So he, he's, he's legitimate. Aaron Donald's obvious. Aaron Donald's more of an edge rusher. He just plays interior defensive line in terms of he plays a three, four defensive end. So you just don't get a lot of those um, guys that produce a pass rush up the middle and can stop, stop the run. And that's what Quinnen Williams does. His last season or his sophomore season at Alabama, he had 71 total tackles and or 19 and a half for loss and eight sacks. That's crazy. Like Ooh. that's, crazy productive and he only really played for two two seasons in college so he's probably still growing he's probably still learning the position and for him to be able to rush the passer already and to be able to stop the run like i think his ceiling is deforest buckner and i know that says a lot or and i and i thought of another one warren sap i don't know if he can reach warren sap levels because warren saps an all-time great at defensive or the defensive interior but that's the type of skill set quinn williams brings so again while and 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 i don't think you can rely on rookies in their or you can't rely on rookies in their rookie season. Duh. That I'm dumb. Just ignore ignore what I just said. You can't rely on rookies because you they're can't still rely learning. on players in their rookie year. There you go. Yeah. I got it. Just I lost my mind for a second. But yeah, so I don't know what he's gonna be able to do in his rookie season, but he's gonna have a chance to rush the passer. Uh I even if he's like a, um, and I just forgot his name. Give me a second. You're going to have to delete this, Nate. Brady Jared, K1 Short. No, we don't do that on this show. No, Remember Bronco and the Jacksonville Jaguar? Taven Bryan? Nope. Derek Denver Wolf. Bronco, then Jacksonville. Oh, de- okay. One on the other. Uh, oh, uh, Kyle Williams? Nope. Hold on. That's the, he's Buffalo. Get yeah, out of here. The Mark Sell. Something. Dominican Sue. I'm gonna <laughs> just for a second. <laughs> oh, this is great. We're we're showing the chink in the armor of uh, yeah. the infamous Sam Lane. Oh my uh, gosh! Just because fantasy, I forget. Fantasy, fantasy God, Sam. He Lane. is the fantasy God. I hate myself right now. So he's Why a, is my he, Google so much faster than your? Yeah, Google? he's a Jacksonville DT right now. Malik Jackson. Oh, yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so, so basically, even if he has a has a, <laughs> a skill set like Malik Jackson, where like he can get like his 2017, where he had eight sacks um, and 40 total tackles, that's still very productive. So, I think he has a high floor, but he has a very high ceiling because of what he, he is. He's he's extremely quick on the inside. He's he's a giant. He's gigantic, and he can do everything on that line. And I think, like I said, his ceiling is DeForest Buckner. And even if he, if he really, really gets going, he could be that Warren Sapp level, uh, interior, uh, defensive lineman. Yeah. I obviously love Quinn and Williams. Um, top two player for me on like 
in general in the entire draft. Um, Ed Oliver might have just as high of a ceiling just because of his pass rushing. And, 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 I, and I can get behind that. Like, that's true. I just like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue one way or the other, because like, if it's me, I think I'd take Quinnen in one league and Ed Oliver in another, you know, just to hedge my bet because I love both of them. Um, but like, I guess I'm not going to have any issue with, anybody taking either of them, but definitely as an NFL player, Quinn and Williams is the better prospect to me. I just think this, the pass rush potential from at Oliver is like super, super enticing. And, and really it's kind of like, they're both fantastic prospects. Quinn and Williams just had that peak season for me. That was better than at Oliver's. Now, he had eight sacks at Oliver's never eclipsed. I mean, his highest total was five and a half, but then again, Ed Oliver had a 22 uh, tackle for last season. Quinn and Williams is only 19 and a half. So I don't think you're going to go wrong either way. I just Quinn and Williams for how big that dude is. He is an absolute freak of nature when it comes to being an athlete. I don't disagree at all. The one thing I will say about Ed Oliver's sack production is that he got, he got put in a bad situation in Houston. He was playing nose tackle for yep. a lot of the time. And it's like, yeah, I don't put much stock in at Oliver's uh, sack production, but yeah, I mean, Quinn Williams is the better player. Like yep. just based at, just based on watching him as a prospect, he's the better player. I think they're both pretty similar in terms of fantasy. And I think that you're not wrong to bet on Quinn and Williams as a similar fantasy prospect. That's a better NFL player, you know, right. With higher draft capital. Right. All right. Linebackers. Uh, so, I mean, we talked about the Devons and, and we can go into how they would rank in terms of 2018. I think it's tough to say they both are extremely good athletes, very quick. Um, they both have issues somewhat in coverage, but nothing to be like, Oh, they're, they're going to be in trouble. It's just hard to those top three linebackers specifically in the 2018 class, Vander Esch, uh, Roquan and Tremaine were just so good. And they, they, the Devons would definitely behind be behind them. And you, I mean, Sean asked the valid question, would be they, be, or would they be behind Darius Leonard? I don't know because I don't think anybody could have expected what Darius Leonard did. He was a good prospect, but I don't think anybody was going to, to say, Oh yeah, these guys are going to, or, or Darius Leonard's going to be the best linebacker in the game uh, in 2018. So take from that what you will, but, the point is that the Devons are not as good as last year's class. They're good. They're not that good. Um, uh, which one do you want first? So I like Devin White. Um, both for situation, <laughs> both for situation and production. So he lands in Tampa Bay, takes over the Quan Alexander roles. Now Quan Alexander was either on pace for or did break 115 tackles per season. Um, Levante David's injury history injuries had something to do with that, but that those two linebackers at in, in Tampa Bay's defense have been fantastic. 
basically for the past four or five seasons. So, um, and then, and then the other thing with, with white is he had 250 or sorry, 256 tackles in the final two seasons. Um, 20, 25 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. And then he had nine passes defended and one interception. So the guy was all over the field and he was extremely prolific in college. And I think he has a legitimate chance to break a hundred tackles in his rookie season. Who is going to tackle people in Pittsburgh outside of Devin Bush? I know I got it. I I, 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 like, and here's the thing, Mark Barron. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, when he when, only, when it's only warm in out. like when it's warm yeah, out. only from September through October and then he <laughs> and then it's done. Or or unless they play inside or or down south. Um and and it's a valid valid question. I mean I my my hesit and it and it's not even that big of a hesitation with Bush. But the middle linebacker for or or that Ryan, Ryan Shazier role was never the most prolific, I suppose. Like Shazier was on pace to break a hundred tackles in every season, but it was never the Quan Alexander like heights. If you under, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, like, we we gotta also assume though that Devin White isn't Quan Alexander and that Devin well, Bush isn't Ryan Shazier. You know, right. Right. So, and that says that Ryan Shazier is better than Devin Bush, right? Or is that what you're, I guess? Yeah, I think, I think, I think that they're like right now, these guys have never played an NFL game and we have to assume that Shazier and Alexander are better than both of them right now. So yes, I see where you're going and you look at that. You look at basically where they're going and you assume that, we're going to have to compare them as prospects to see how they're going to do in that given situation. I guess I've always been more of a Devin Bush than Devin White fan anyway. And I'll explain my thoughts on that after you get to say your piece on this. Well, and and I think it's more that I I, see Devin, Devin Bush is a physical, I mean, he's a physical, I'm going to say specimen, specimen. Mm -hmm. Uh, How cliche of you. Yeah, very. Uh, But I mean, again, he wasn't, nearly as productive in college in the big 10, 12, 10, 10, big 10, um, big 10 that has 12 teams. Yes. <laughs> he was not nearly as good in the big 10 as Devin white. I, I guess I shouldn't say good as productive in the big 10 as Devin white was in the sec. So that's one thing. Um, and I, I just, I, I think both have, like they're both very gifted athletes. I just, I give the edge to Devin white because of his production in college. Yeah. And I guess my big thing is that they like, they're not, they're not that similar of players, but they have similar problems where they both have trouble getting off blocks. Neither one of them is that physical at the point of attack they're much more finesse players and I think where Devin White excels is that he is far more he plays with far more of that like alpha mentality like that downhill mentality where he is aggressive and just gets after the ball carrier whereas Bush is a little more passive there but like Bush is a lot more calculated and 
football intelligent, in my opinion, where he reacts to the play better. He reads the play better. Devin White kind of looks lost sometimes. And Devin White misses a ton of tackles because he does play with that like super aggressive mentality and he runs after the ball carrier, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't break down before trying to tackle him, you know, like he just kind of goes in out of control. He just flies, right? Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Zach Cunningham, which is almost like a point against me here because, because because Cunningham has been so successful in the NFL, but like, it's definitely not a desirable trade. And I think that, Devin Bush can do all of the things that Devin White can do sideline to sideline. He just doesn't show it as often because he is more calculated and in control and like reading his keys and making decisions rather than White, who's just kind of like, well, fuck it. This is where I think the ball is going. That's where I'm going to go. And then I'm just going to kamikaze my way out there, you know? Right. No. And I agree. And, and yeah, that, I mean, that's one of the biggest knocks on white is his, his processing. Um, he seems to have gotten better year to year. So, uh, he did, he for sure did. So, yeah, I mean, so I guess when, when projecting and that's all we can really do at this point when projecting, I have to assume that white is going to continue to be a good, or, or going to get better at processing the play, especially with a guy like Levante David, who is in my mind, one of the best linebackers in the league when healthy. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and that's what, I mean, you, I guess I don't know who Bush Devin Bush has in terms of like that leader, you know, uh, whereas like you have Levante David in, in uh, Tampa Bay that can help, Devin white get better. And I'm not saying that there's nobody. I know Shazier is probably going to be on the sidelines this year and can help him out. But yeah, I, it, it's, this is another one where it's like Quinn and Williams versus Ed Oliver. I preferred Devin white, but the argument for Devin Bush is, is also just as valid. So you're going to get production from these two because they're going to be out there on all three downs. They're good and pass and, uh, and and against the pass, they're good against the run. They're very quick. Uh, they do have some issues, like like Sean said about getting off blocks and and sifting through, um, sifting through traffic. But you're still going to probably approach at least 100 tackles from both if they stay on the field. So, quick question then: If Devin Bush ends up as the Mike in Pittsburgh, and Devin White ends up as the Will in Tampa. If that's where they end up, how do you feel about that? Well, so she's because I mean, both in in my opinion, in my opinion, I think that's where they end up. I don't think Devin white is going to play Mike linebacker in Tampa. Well, but they're playing a three, four, right? Um, yes. Yeah, they are. So, I mean, there's, he's still going to be inside, right? I mean, he'll be probably that will, yeah, he'll be inside, but he like with the way hybrid defenses work now, I guess like Mike and Will. No, no. I, yeah, right. So ba- much, basically, basically it's uh, Devin White. Fun. The fear is Devin White will be in, in pass coverage more 
uh, in pass coverage and also not on the strong side of the field where right. running plays are probably going to go. Like he'll be, he'll be the sideline to sideline chaser, you know? So I, but I would, I would imagine that if that's the case, I would imagine that white is going to get more chances to rush the quarterback. Um, he but, a fantastic pass rusher. Right. Probably. So, uh, yeah, it's tough to say. So, I, I mean, obviously you can compare Dar- Darius Leonard, who is the uh, weak side linebacker in Indianapolis. No, we're not. He's not going to match Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard had 153 tackles and was all over the field. But You heard it here first. Sam thinks he's going to beat out Darius <laughs> numbers from last year. But, uh, yeah, so it, I, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, if that's the case, Bush will probably have more uh, opportunities to um, – to make plays against the run, but Devin white might have more opportunities to rush the passer. So Mm -hmm. uh, again, I I don't think you're going to go wrong here. I think both of these guys belong or or belong in that top five um, in terms of like, they should be the first two linebackers off the board. They're going to be starting. They're going to be productive. Um, Just depends on which one you prefer the more. Nice. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm not that, I'm not bashing Devin White. I think he's a good player. Um, Sean is first... totally bashing anyone he comes up against. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think they're both going to be good players in the NFL. I think they're both going to be productive. I just like personally prefer Devin Bush in IDP. Nice. Well, there is a long season to debate this and we look forward to hearing it, but what I really want to know is, uh, before we let you go, Sam, um, the Denver's draft, how are you feeling? Hold on. I'm going to, let me talk about one more guy. This sure, is a surprise sure. guy. Okay. Uh, surprise yeah, hold on. Fuck yourself. Yeah. Mate. Get out of here. I, I'm, I'm more important. This is my show. now. <laughs> Look at me. Look at I'm, me. This is I'm my show captain now. now. <laughs> so this is, this is the underrated guy I really like. And it's Nasir mm-hmm. Adderley. Um, extremely well, I, he was productive at Delaware. He was, a, I, I don't know if Delaware is a FCS school. I'm so excited to hear your take on him. Cause I love him as a player. I hate him as an IDP player. See, I don't, because here's the thing. They lost Jaleel Adai, right? Yep. So Jaleel Adai broker was on pace for 75 tackles. Yes. He's going to be a free safety in that and let Derwin James kind of roam, but you would expect Jaleel, uh, um, Adderley to be more of that free safety role. And that's good because he's fantastic against the pass. I mean, he had 19, sorry. He had, uh, nobody's going to double 30, check your work. Just he, had, well, no, I'm, I, I, he had 31 <laughs> passes defended in four seasons and 10 interceptions. So he's fantastic against the past. He, um, had 48 or more tackles in every season, obviously not fantastic, but when you compare it to a 12 game season, it's a little, you have to adjust. So, and like I said, Adai was very, very good in that defense. I mean, he, he himself had 18 passes defended in four seasons. Like I said, 75 or more tackles or on pace to break that in every season. Um, he didn't have as many sacks, but that's more Derwin James's opportunity, uh, two interceptions. So, Adrian Phillips is more of an in the box type guy for me. Like he's more of a nickel uh, or, or dime type safety hybrid guy. Um, and, but he, he did fantastic last season, but he's 
been okay for them. He's been more of a fill in type of player for the chargers. And I think that Adderley will have a chance to step into that starting role at free safety. And that offense is good enough to me that they will be facing a lot of people throwing the ball. So I think he will get plenty of opportunity to make plays against the pass. Okay. So I guess we're seeing a lot of similar things here. Have you done any uh, IDP rookie drafts yet this year? I have not. Okay. I think that Adderley is going earlier than he should because of his name value, where he was definitely like a top three safety going into this draft. Like everybody loved him going into this draft. And I think that a lot of people are drafting him a lot more based on name value where they're like, okay, I'm going to get this great safety without fully thinking it through. So, I mean, like, yeah, if he's falling a little bit, you know, behind the uh, Darnell Savage and Taylor Rapp and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm absolutely into uh, Nasir Adderley, mostly because I love getting good players. You know, like they'll find a way to succeed, even if they aren't those top tier IDP players, like good players produce at least at some level. You know, you're never going to bust with good players. So, um so yeah, I think we're on the same page with Adderley. I just think he's going a little earlier than what you might anticipate just because he was such a draft Twitter darling, you know? Right. And then that may well be, but I also think there is, op- I think it's more opportunity outweighs anything here because like, a die when healthy would play, or I, I, I guess a die just plays like 95% of the snaps. He was second to Derwin James last season in terms of snap share. So uh, while free, obviously free safety is not going to be nearly as productive as a starting strong safety, just because strong safeties generally play in the box a lot more, get a lot more tackles in the run game uh, and use in, 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 in the case of Derwin James used it all sorts of ways uh, to get to the pass rusher. You still have guys like Kevin Biard and I'm not saying (laughs) Adderley is Kevin Biard, but you have those types of guys. You heard it here first. Adderley is Kevin (laughs) Biard. But I I still think in, in, I can't tell you, and it's hard to like project some of these guys too. like, we knew Derwin James was going to be a monster because he is that type of player. Adderley's not that type of player and free safeties. It's hard to project their tackle numbers, but if he can give you 75 tackles and let's say five passes defended, you're sitting pretty as with him as a second tier uh, safety. So, and and I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get a guy who's going to give me these elite numbers. But sometimes like, I think Adderley's extremely safe. Like he's going to produce for you. And while he may never be that elite type of safety, he's still going to be extremely productive. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly where I'm at where it's like, he's a good player. So he's going to produce, he's just not going to be that top tier safety. Right. Um, so where do you have him in your rookie safety ranks? Like where, where's he at? I mean, uh, just like, like spitball where it's like, you don't have to be, give me the, I think he's for me because I'm more risk averse. Um, he's top two for me. Who do you have one? Uh, let me look real quick. 
I see. I can't do Savage. I do not like Savage. Oh, I love Savage. Right, but he just went so early. Maybe, maybe that's why. Like Savage is a good player, but he just went so early. Yeah, and he was always one. I, I think I had him as like number thirty-four player on my board, like my overall NFL draft board. It was somewhere up there. I should probably release that online just so I can, just so I can <laughs> like come back to that without just being, you know. I don't, want, I don't right. want people saying I was fake about it. So I should probably just put it out there. So, yeah, I mean, here, I guess my thing, he might be number one just because of his situation for me. Um, you could say, rap, yeah, okay. Uh, Taylor, Taylor Rapp landed in a good situation. He should take over the uh, joiner role in Los Angeles. Um, I don't know about Marquise Blair. I don't know how he fits there. Uh, and then Jonathan Abram is another interesting one. I think Marquise Blair is them not being as confident in their safeties as we are just because we're looking at it from an IDP perspective where they're looking at it from an NFL perspective. Right. Um, so Jonathan Abram's an interesting one because Gruden doesn't, I don't think likes Carl Joseph. No, it doesn't seem like he does. Which is wild to me. <laughs> Carl Joseph is a good player. So I don't. <laughs> Regardless. So yeah, I, I personally for me Gruden Grinder. Yeah. Uh personally for me, I think Adderley is number one on my board. There we go. Okay. Sam, let's 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 get let's get a couple couple more questions in here. So yeah, so we, we've we've only talked about like five or six guys. Can you name off some other deeper guys you're looking at? Maybe you don't have to go into detail as why as much, but let's get some <laughs> some more than like five names here. Oh I'm sorry. John, Do you John, not want to hear me talk anymore, John? John, John is really trying to reel this in. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, yeah, let's let's get this up, uh, finish up solid. And uh, all right, give me give me three players at every position. Yeah. Oh no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> give me three players. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you one more Ten. guy that I'm. Really <laughs> no, 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 no. You give me three players at every position, and I'll tell you whether you definitively whether you're right or wrong about them. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Uh, <laughs> I will. T- I, you pick a player, and I'll just be like, "Nah, you're wrong." Well, we've talked uh, about the, the obvious guys, basically. Let's let's talk about I, some other guys that I, you can get for so a deal. I like I, I like Jermaine Pratt um, in Cincinnati. Great situation. Not that great of a player. Well, right, and and honestly, uh, that's more of a fantasy fo- fantasy football take than anything, right? So, yeah, they have Paul Brown. They have Nick. What's his face? Not even Paul Brown. They're Preston, Preston Brown. Brown. Sorry, but yeah, Preston Brown, who's old and they wish not they good. Had Paul Brown, right? <laughs> um, and if one of those guys gets hurt, he steps into significant playtime, and he might step into significant playtime anyway. Taki Taki is a good one. Um, <laughs> there, there's definitely some injury history in in that linebacking core. So he could definitely step into, uh, step into some playing time as well. And let me, I forget the Detroit lions. Oh yeah. That, oh, to buy. right. Yeah. Right. What do we think on that? Oof. Yeah. So that, and I, 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 it tells me a lot about how they feel about, is it Gerard or Jared? I say Gerard. Jared. All right. It's Gerard. No, it's Davis. not. It's Jared Davis. Okay. Uh. That's what I, you don't, you don't even know your own. 
team. Good Are you Lord. fucking kidding me, mate? God, you're the worst. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Well, so, but Jared that, Davis, I mean, come and on. I, I've heard you guys go on about this, especially yeah. Sean, about how Gerard Day or now you got me saying it. Jared Davis uh, <laughs> is inconsistent. Right. Yes. And I think that pick that high of a capital on a linebacker says a lot about how they feel about Jared Davis. I don't even know if it's how they feel about Jared Davis. I think it's how they feel about him in that role. I think they want to, because they had him rushing the passer a good amount last year. Like his sack numbers were okay. And he was pretty efficient rushing the passer. I think they're just trying to change Jared Davis's role. Okay. Um, So you think he's going to play more strong side than anything? I think that he's going to play a lot more of what, Devin Kennard did last year, yeah. okay. I, but I, I think can he's more, that. yeah, he's more talented than Devin Kennard though. Um, so I think there's room for both of them. I think Kennard is the one that's the odd man out. And unless you're in a sack heavy league, Kennard was never really fancy viable anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another one in the second, Ben Bonogu. I don't know if that says anything about how they feel about Anthony Walker. He's he's gonna be an edge rusher. Okay. Um, well, there you go. Yeah, he's super raw. He's probably gonna sit year one, but I imagine that basically he's gonna be in there with competition for uh, Kamoko Toure. Yeah. Um, who I actually really liked uh, coming out last year. Yeah. Um, he was he was decent last year. He just wasn't a starter. He was rotational pass rusher, but it wasn't a bad rookie year. Um, but then they brought in. Um, Okariki, Bobby Okariki. Yeah, Okariki at linebacker, at edge rusher, though. Who'd they bring in? They brought in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ferguson, uh, wasn't it? No, not Ferguson. Was it no, Ferguson? not even in the draft. It was free agency. It was like Houston Justin, or Sheard. Justin Houston. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, it was, uh, it was Justin Houston. Yeah, right. yeah okay. So that kind of clogs up all of that. Um, but yeah, Okariki uh, is in a great spot because I don't know that Anthony Walker was ever that great of a player. Um, and if I think he, if he was a good player, I think he's a replaceable one, you know? So I'm just going to jump in here before we exhaust our whole off season content. And uh, thanks Sam for coming on. Uh, By the way, Denver Broncos, uh, yeah. draft was good. Yes. First okay. Three, first three rounds were fantastic. Should we just revolt and just not let him cut you off? This does has to end because we have other this things to talk to about. Allegedly. We will have you on again, Sam. We love you. We miss you. And as great as this conversation was, there are four more months of off season uh, to get through and we would love to have you back. Maybe even a couple weeks. Everybody who wants to hear Sam and I talk more about the NFL draft, just blow Nate up on Twitter yeah, and send him dick you, pics. If your, you want to have Sam talk more, go on IDP guys, become a subscriber and tell me in the subscriber chat, because you know what? Sam's in there now. Over the course of this episode, we've got him in. I gave him a free year's membership. So if you want personalized information on your drafts from Sam Lane himself, become a subscriber. One dollar a month. We love you. We love Sam. And uh, thank you, Sam, for coming on. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, I love you and miss you, too.
All righty. So the NFL over under win totals are out for next year because of the uh, schedule release. So this will be a common theme the next few weeks. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Detroit, obviously. Uh, over or under six and a half wins, boys. What do you think? I think over. I actually think over as well. Yeah. Sean, what do you think? Under. Entirely under. 100%. Yeah? Really? Yeah, I got no faith this year. Damn. Wow. Okay, well, if you go... It, it, might, just, it might just be like... It's really hard for me to look objectively at this team. Like I, it might just be me being super pessimistic so that I can be pleasantly surprised, but <laughs> like, Probably. I just, I just look at the roster and I'm not really excited about any position group, you know, like, like I love Stafford. I love carry on. Like there's a lot of players I really like, but uh, like there's a ton of weaknesses all over the roster. And then I look at our division and everybody doesn't have the same issues that we have. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's really tough to win seven, eight games when you're playing against superior teams three, six times a year. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. It's a rough division. If you go under, it is $10 gets you $9.52. If you go over, it's 10 gets you eight. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. There it is. So thank you for joining us for our 75th at, uh, episode. Uh, it's kind of a mini, mini milestone for us. Uh, we're working on a special app for 100. Uh, maybe throw in some best ofs in there. Uh, but make sure you're following us at IDP guys individually at Nate cheat at orange man, three, one, four, two and at Lanny one, nine, two, five. Yes. I almost forgot his, uh, Twitter handle there. Uh, Subscribe. Go on to idpguys.org on the sidebar. Google, uh, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, and a... uh, Uh, You almost had it. I almost (laughs) had it. Sorry, there was a burp in there. Uh, Also an RSS feed, which will get you uh, to the show from whatever podcatcher you most enjoy. Also, there's a subscription. We have a $1 a month subscription. It started as a beta. We're probably going to keep it at $1 a month because, I mean, who else offers great data for literally a buck? Uh, so join us, uh, IDP guys. Also, if you feel like getting some of our offensive content, uh, dynasty football digest $1 a month for both sites, there's ADP, there's rankings, uh, both offer, uh, access to our subscriber chat on, uh, Slack, which if you're doing a dynasty draft, you're doing any sort of draft, you can, just ask us questions. We're here. We're there. We're about it. Uh, so $1 a month, we have some other uh, things on the site that we're offering, um, archived data, uh, T-shirts, whatever, um, to to help us you know, build this show up and uh, do better things. I mean, honestly, we got a lot coming this year, so be ready for it. Uh, also, at the end of the show, we're going to be doing some Game of Thrones talks, so stick around.
Spoiler warning, by the way. Yeah, spoiler warning right now. We are back. Uh, we're talking after the show. We've got all things on the table. Uh, Winter, the Battle of Winterfell, Endgame, all of it. Uh, about 10 minutes here at the max we have Sean. But Sean, Sean made a real good point the other day. We were talking about Endgame and what was better, the Battle of Winterfell or Endgame. Mm-hmm. And there was only one thing where I screamed, oh, shit, at the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. And that was Arya. True. Coming out of nowhere. Yeah. That was. Yeah, but it, it was so surprising, though. Like, everyone was like, oh, so anticlimactic because the Night King died and now what? Mm-hmm. But, like, they're looking at it the wrong way. Like, everybody going into that was expecting, like, oh, everybody's going to die. The Night King's going to wreck them and all that. And, like, if that would have happened, we would have been like, yeah, that's what we saw coming. Now what? You know, like yeah. we're still waiting. We would still be waiting for that like twist that happens after that. Yeah. True. Like this is some. This is something no one saw coming. Like no one was like, oh yeah, they're gonna kill the Night King, and then there's gonna be three more episodes. Nobody thought that. Mm. I mean, some mm. some people probably thought that. I didn't think that. Though. Right. This was the main enemy. We thought this mm. would be like the last thing no, we it, see. It wasn't though. It wasn't the main enemy, and that's where everyone was wrong. Well, this is what I've been. The the, the main enemy is the throne. It's no, it's 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 each other. It's always been each other. It's the same thing. It's the same thing that it was for Lord of the Rings, where it's like Lord of the Rings. The whole idea was if everybody gets together, they can defeat the enemy. And like this is the same thing, except they can't get together, thus becoming their own biggest enemy. That's how it has been this entire time. Mm. It's like, like if the Night King was the main enemy, then the first five seasons were, or first four seasons were a waste. Like we didn't see the Night King till up till like season five. So what, like what would have been the point through the first four seasons? But then suddenly you introduce this enemy that's like more powerful than everyone. Mm. And everyone just immediately is like, well, that's the end game. That's the main end game. Yeah. That's the main enemy here. And the reality is, is that he was never the enemy, the main enemy. It was always each other. It was always going to be them against each other, whether it was them destroying each other and having the night King win or having them beat the night King and then destroy each other. This is always how it was. That's a good point. I mean, I guess you're very right. Cause even as the Night King is like marching towards them, they introduce this whole uh, theme of uh, Jon Snow being Aegard Targaryen and putting in like a, a whole tension between him and Daenerys, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And we've been waiting on that for like at least a season. Mm hmm. What'd you guys like uh, from the episode? I love the oh, dith- the disrat the, the Dothraki charge with the the fucking fire swords and they just disappear. Disappeared. Uh, that was that, that was awesome. That scene that scene was so good. Yeah. The uh, the scene with Arya where she's hiding around the corners and stuff was yeah. so good. Uh, Melisandre's death scene was so good. You thought it that was, was good? I thought that was kind of anticlimactic. Well, like she she, just, she did should, her purpose. She served. Her I purpose. think you should be dead. But she just took like we already knew that if she took off her her necklace, she would at least grow old. But now we yeah, know she'll but, die. But right, but like man, it was 
it was so beautifully shot. It was so good looking. Like, yeah. oh man. I, and just like, it was so fitting too. And it all called back to her saying that she was going to die mm-hmm. there. And just like, we, we knew it was coming, but that was part of the beauty of it was just that it was like, it was inevitable and she knew it was inevitable and she served her purpose and then she ended it. You know, it was yeah. just, it was I'll good. agree. I'll agree. I, I, thought it was well done but i just was expecting aria to do it but i did like aria's storyline where she was in the like the uh fucking halls of winterfell scared shitless trying to get out as almost like she was in a labyrinth um which totally flipped her character which was yeah pretty good i really liked the scene with uh sansa and Tyrion too where Mm -hmm. they were having to decide who should take the dagger to kill the white Walker. Like Mm. I thought that was a really good moment too. Um, I don't know, man, it was, it was full of so many good moments and it's a shame that so many people are just bitching about it being too dark. It was really dark. I got a 4k TV and it was, then you're, then you're setting your TV wrong, man. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't even know that that was going to be a complaint from people until I saw people complaining about it on Twitter. And like a lot of them were watching on laptops. It's like you had no business watching like the culmination of this show on a fucking laptop. I think it might have had to do with streaming. So we were streaming off of the HBO app onto a 4K TV and there was a lot of issue Maybe if it was like live, like if I had HBO service, it would have been better. But yeah, no, that kind of ticked me off a little bit. I don't know. I guess I didn't have any issue with it. I like the beginning was supposed to be dark. Like you weren't supposed to be able to see off into the distance. That was that wasn't the issue. It was it was so dark that it was causing um, basically like uh, parts that were it, it, it didn't look right. It was. I don't know how best to put it into words, but it was like sections that were lighter and then darker and well, people thought pixelated. people thought main characters were dying when it was just randos because they couldn't the shot wasn't you long enough and it, it wasn't bright enough to see the guy's face. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I didn't have that yeah. issue at all, but I don't know. Yeah, Leanna Mormont <laughs> went out pretty good. That was right. a cool all right, we got, shot. We got two minutes for end game talk. Yes, let's two do minutes. that. Uh, all right, best moment was uh, there were a lot of really good moments. Uh, Spider, all the moments with Spider Man and Tony Stark were killer. Mm. Tony Stark's death scene was killer. Mm-hmm. Fat Thor was fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, and uh, best moment of the whole fucking movie, in my opinion, was uh, was Doctor Strange holding up the one to yeah. Iron Man, like yep. telling him, "This is the one in a million. And right. that, like. Man, that fucking got me. Right. And how he designed the glove with the Iron Man technology so yeah. he could pull the fucking stones right out onto his. That was a nice little fucking idea. I like that. Yep. That was pretty tight. Yeah, I really think they wrapped the whole fucking what? 20, 20 something movies. Yeah, yeah. All wrapped up into one nice right. little thing. It, it was good. Yeah, it was well done. You know, Sean, yeah. take a guess what everyone groaned at in the movie theater. Mm. Uh,. Whatever. Oh, I'm guessing it was when they had all of the it, one of two moments. It was either the Captain America hammer scene. Mm-hmm. Wait, whatever nope. loved groaned, groaned, groaned. Uh, was it when they had all the female superheroes together? Yep. 
that's that's what I would have assumed people would be upset about. Mm-hmm. You see, the the thing though is, I don't care about that. She's the one character that doesn't need a fucking escort. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, so, like my my thing with that, like it was very contrived, and that's okay. Uh, having like that scene with all of the female superheroes in that charge, but like I don't think that it was meant to be what people thought it was meant to be. I think this was a middle finger to all the people that were complaining <laughs> about Captain Marvel, Marvel not having yeah. enough strong female characters. Which, like, right. in my mind, it's absolutely ridiculous that they have all these characters and it took this long to get a female lead for one of the movies. Um, but like they do have a lot of badass female characters, yeah. like totally into it. And so I think that was just like a black widow from oh, the start. Like, yeah, I, I think that this was just basically like, Oh, Hey, you guys are complaining about us not having enough female characters. Let us give you a middle finger and show you all these badass characters. That said, like, Man, like, I really wish, like, we're, we're going to get a Black Widow movie. I wish we would have had it before she died. I mm-hmm. really wish we could get the female Hawkeye um, movie, which we might. They kind of hinted at it with mm-hmm. uh, with Hawkeye and his daughter. Right. Um, but it's not going to be the same as the one from the comics, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but there's so many good female characters that didn't get a movie, which is why Captain Marvel was kind of a bummer to me, just because, like, she is not the most interesting of the Marvel female characters, you know? She's, like, Superman, a little overpowered, but I did, going into that aspect, like, cut out all the uh, politically correct shit, but the fact that she got fucking hammered by Thor at that in that fight scene kind of brought her down to earth a little bit because I thought she was getting a little overpowered, like being able to just do whatever. And then bam, Thor hits her and she fucking flings across. They, they didn't do as good a job with her as they did with black Panther where black Panther in the comics is, he has like every superpower because they were like trying to generate interest in a character. Mm -hmm. Like they give characters more powers and like black Panther was always a super underrated superheroes so they just kept giving him more powers and then when they brought him into the cinematic universe like he was a lot more well-rounded you know and they didn't really do that with captain marvel where they didn't make her as believably beatable and that was always a frustration but Mm. either way i gotta i gotta go guys uh it's been good and we'll talk game of thrones tonight i'm sure absolutely yes sir Thanks, buddy. Right. Take it easy. Yep. See ya. Yep. All right. Keep, keep recording. We're going to go over the scores and shit. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. So Game of Thrones fantasy after week three. First of all, we didn't even talk about week two, right? Mm-hmm. So if you had the Gendry Arya stack for sex, uh, <laughs> y- you won, basically. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of drinking, eating, and screwing in season in the uh, episode two. Plus there's a promotion for uh, Brienne. Yep. Uh, became a knight of the seven kingdoms. So that was cool. Um, so you yeah. don't need a king. To become a knight. Right. No, you just need another knight. So, yes. so yeah, if you had Brienne, Arya, Gendry, you did really well that episode. I think that, who was the MVP that episode? I think it was Brienne, right? I think so, yeah. Because yeah. she became 
Right. This, this, this last episode though, is obviously Aria. She had 190 points, which is the highest Mm -hmm. point total for any week by far. So she got, um, 50 points for killing five five whites. Yep. Yep. And then she got, and then she killed five white walkers. She killed six. Right. Uh, although it it taps out at five. No, 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 no. She got five for the whites, the W I G H T, just the, the regular people. And then she got, all of the points for every single blue eyed she oh, killed right. because yeah, there's yeah. no yep. cat. There's no that. limit on that. Yeah. And and she killed the Night King, who is right. a named character. Right. And I think she caught the MVP as well. But anyway, she had a hundred. Oh, she did. She had her 190 points. And our points leader is my buddy Eddie with 645. Come from behind. Yeah. He had zero points in week two um, or mm-hmm. week one, rather. Week one, yeah. And is now in first place because of the Aria. Um, Gendry stack in week two, and then Arya this last week. Yep. Um, I have lost Jora; he's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have lost um, Barrick. I don't think I had Barrick. You had Barrick. I right? had Barrick. He's uh, dead too. He's, he is dead. He had a decent death. Um, I had uh, the Mormont girl. Uh, oh, yep, yep. Which she had a great fucking death. I I yeah. really enjoyed watching that. Yeah, I think she got points for that. She did. Yeah. She got points for the death. She got points for. The the killing of the the white the the giant white the there. Wh- giant yeah. white it should have been worth more it really should have but yeah. you know I'm okay with it I think I'm in third uh yes uh, yes I'm five points ahead of Sean right um which is whatever but um you know I got I got some good yeah we lost a lot of people about about five named deaths not including the Night King so which is surprising I thought it had been more right right absolutely what do we what do we think Predictions this episode. Predictions this episode. I don't think anyone's gonna die. Um, I think it's gonna be more of a talking episode. They're heading down to um, King's Landing, King's Landing yep. and it's gonna with, be about with what though? They don't have any army left. Like how they how they gonna how they gonna fight? I think that's gonna be kind of the buildup. Is gonna yeah. be how do they uh, uh, strategize? Right, with, against, with no one left, but they've got. Yeah. They've got two. They got two dragons, dragons and, they, and they got a bunch of good fighters, right? So, so I think back to um, when they pulled in. What's his face from? Not the. He wasn't part of the Golden Company. He was no, the second son's second guy. son's guy. Yeah, and he said that. Uh, he he stayed behind a marine with like five thousand dudes. Right, right. So they could sail them in. But I'm not even talking about him. He said anyone that fights for gold will always fight for the one with the most gold. Right, something so, like so that. So they can get money. They can perhaps buy the golden company. Or the fact that a fucking two dragons are coming at them. Maybe yeah. they'll just scatter. That's true. That's true. Plus, Arya can always rip someone's face off and impersonate them. So, yeah, that you yeah. know maybe. They they introduced quote, that quote unquote Jamie will show up. Right. And well, well, Jamie's not giving orders anymore because he took off. But oh, and she but, can't pull his face because right, he's not right, dead. Because he's not dead yet. But that Golden Company guy they introduced in episode one could easily get his face ripped off and mm-hmm. and you know show up. Hey, we're going home, boys. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it it's bound to be at least this week a good episode. But I mean, fuck, we got. Three episodes. Yeah. More. I know. But they, but I read a story yesterday. They greenlit the, uh, pre the first prequel of three. There's three of them that will probably happen. Mm. Uh, one's like a thousand or 10,000 years ago. 
uh, the first White Walker battle, the creation of the White Walkers. Oh, really? Yeah, all that. Um, that that's the one that got greenlit. So that's that was one of the things that I thought was missing from this Battle of Winterfell. I really thought they were going to try and tie in that creation, mm. and I really thought that the actor that played the uh, Night King was the actor that played uh, Bronn. Oh, brand, yeah, yeah. Whatever no, no, is. yeah. It's like some no-name Norwegian guy or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I wish I'd known yeah. that because it just, he, like the nose, the mm. fat nose looked very similar. So I thought somehow that was going to work into it. And when he died, it was like, well, this is cool, but I really wish I'd known a little oh, more. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of people on the Bran as the Night King train for a while. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Man. Um yeah, so me and Nate been listening to this uh, Star Trek Discovery uh, podcast where they talk about time buttholes and stuff. <laughs> um, it's pretty awesome. So we, we've been thinking about doing an IDP guys after dark type yeah. type uh, podcast where we can let just, us know if if you're yeah, listening to this. Right, if you're still listening and you have any interest in us just talking about pop culture and yeah, and dude stuff. Um, you know, let us know because this this whole show. I mean, this is after the show and people tune out and whatnot. But I'm I'm graduating in graphic design at the uh, two weeks from now, actually, and I'm building a studio. All this stuff. We're gonna incorporate podcasting, and the big thing is like trying to go deeper. So finding shows that people like, people want to listen to. Going into YouTube, there's so much ahead of us. Right. There's a lot of plans on the table. Definitely. And and just a little more background, like for the IDP guys podcast, we have to try and keep it on the tracks. Yeah. We got to keep it in a time period. We're, we got to talk about just football. We can't say <laughs> time period it, when we just yeah. hit like an hour and 45. Right, right. I mean, it's just there's a lot of restrictions. And yeah. if we did this IDP guys after dark thing, we could basically talk about whatever oh yeah we could go i mean if we did the separate uh, yeah it would be a separate thing (laughs) we could go for but but if if there's any interest please let us know yeah just hit us up um like our stuff on twitter obviously that's where john and i are are most active Mm -hmm. um become a subscriber if you do like the idp guys that really helps us kind of put money into what we're doing. Keep the lights on. Uh, keep the lights on. Uh, it, it's a dollar a subscription. You can also uh, donate whatever you wish. Uh, we have a donate but- button on our website. Um, and all of that really wraps into us. We're going to build a studio. We're going to actually we've been in talks with Sean about moving him out here. Uh, and doing a lot of things that kind of takes us from amateur to professional. Um, and I don't know. I, I think it's cool, but if we can provide more stuff for you guys, uh, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for sticking with us on the after show. Uh, we're going to let you go. We're going to watch the new episode of Game of Thrones will probably be back after my graduation on May 18th. And we will wrap up uh, IDP guys stuff. We'll wrap up all the pop culture shit that happens in that time. And we'll keep it going weekly after that. Tony Johns for life. <laughs>